Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, the Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory in the summer and fall of 2020. These podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services. My name is Lisa Venevri from the Mohawk Nation and Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name program. Welcome to the Ohate Negasuna podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate, located on the bottom of the page of our website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada. On today's podcast, we'll be chatting with Tom Porter, Segoinyongwas. And Tom is a Mohawk from the Bear Clan, um, and he lives at Ganejohalage in New York State, where he'll be joining us from via telephone. And he is the author of And Grandma Said, Iroquois Teachings as Passed Down through the, through the Oral Tradition. He'll be talking about the inspiration for And Grandma Said and talking a little bit about uh, what he's been doing lately and um, sharing with whatever stories he has for us today. If you can't hear me, just tell me to speak up, okay, Tom? All right. Okay. Um, so, so this, what I want to talk about with you for about half an hour is about um, what you're doing in your life now and how you fill your time. And then we'll talk about your responsibilities to all the communities who want you to come there. And, um, you know, how much you're on the road still today and what you do in your life that makes you happy. Stuff like that. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, right now I'm mostly staying home. I have been staying home since this virus started up. Yes. Um, because uh, my wife had an open heart surgery with three bypasses a year ago, August. Yes. And uh, so that's why we had to kind of stay uh, stay put and uh, make sure we didn't bring that virus here because because of that open heart surgery she had. And plus, we're both diabetics, too. Oh, yeah. How is she doing now, Tom? Oh, she's almost fully recovered. That's good. Uh, She's done really, really surprisingly well. Mm -hmm. She healed really good because of Everybody was kind of afraid because uh, she's uh, kind of fed uh, uh, by diabetic. Yes. She has to take meals sometimes she eats. And so but she healed exceptionally well, even with all that. So she's back now to no, almost normal. Okay. And uh, the ladies, uh, my daughter came down, and they've canned almost 500 quarts of uh, different fruits and peaches and berries and uh Meats and potatoes, and in case this virus comes on for another year or two, and all the IGAs and AMP is closed, well, 
we'll have our own IGA here. <laughs> That's good. We should all take your advice and have our own IGAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we planted a big, big garden, and uh, we harvested. Oh, the garden was lush and pretty and lots and lots of everything. Watermelons, and oh, we had peaches. We had peaches from our orchard, and we have apples, and we have um, blackberries and raspberries and strawberries and Concord grapes and... Oh, almost everything you need, we have We have uh, here on the grounds. Wow. Have you gotten any visitors um, coming in or not too many visitors? Not too many. Uh, just only bill collectors. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. once in a while, somebody comes by, you know, but not very often. But they call ahead of time and we distance and everything and so on. Yeah. And I've been really busy uh, since the virus uh, doing craft work. So I've been producing lots of uh, Mohawk dice and um, the game Mohawk dice. I've been uh, making those and uh, lots of necklaces. Oh, wow. Well, every day I'm working crafts. You'll, so have to have, you'll have to have an online store pretty soon. Yeah, well, my daughter's already doing that. And almost everything I made is all gone. Mm -hmm. As soon as I, in fact, I can't keep catch up with it. Wow. Um, got lots of orders. Oh, yeah. Uh, from, from the online. Now, I find myself always going back to your book, And Grandma Said. Uh-huh. I pick it up from time to time, and I'll I'll just read wherever I open the book to. There's so much knowledge in there, Tom. Do you think that you'd ever want to do a sequel, write another book? Well, I I am um, I started about a month ago, um, but very doing it very slow. When I get the feeling or when I get in the mood, then I'll do some writing in a notebook. And then, then have it transcribed by, you know, into a book form later. Probably a grandma set number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be really good. What and, are what what are some of the things that you think about in the course of a day? Well, mostly my craft work. I I focus on that. Make sure I get everything right on that. And then uh, the other part is. Um, I've got to do all the paperwork for keeping Ganajarega going and the taxes and uh, uh, thank you notes to people who have donated to help this place go. And uh, uh, it's things like that. And then, keep it. and then we have some Black Angus cows that we have to make sure the fence is fixed and new posts are put in and uh, and then we had a hurricane, a, a tornado here uh, about a month ago, almost a month ago, and uh, it knocked a lot of big, big branches off, off the maple trees. Uh, even even uh, knocked the power line down, and we didn't have electricity for about two days. So mm -hmm. the, we had to get electricity to come and hook that back up. Then my grandsons and son-in-law came and a couple of days, and they brought their chainsaws and cut up all the debris around the house. It really did a lot of that. It didn't do no damage to the house we live in, but all around and even blocked the road so you can't go through. 
but uh, my relatives came and they cleaned it all up and and I helped them too. So we're always doing things like that. Wow, is that the first tornado that you've had since you've been there? No, no, no we had another one, but it didn't come close, too close to here. Uh, that's the first. I don't know if it was your extra tornado or not, because it happened so fast. Um, during the night, I guess, and uh, when we woke up, that's when we noticed that all the branches, big, big branches, some of those branches were as big as trees. It's the old maple trees are surrounding here. Yeah, mm -hmm. so uh, I don't know if it was a tornado, but uh, there were tornado warnings from the radio. It oh. came on every once in a while, and oh. so that's what we think it was. Oh, yeah. But we didn't see it. Well, I hope that you do um, have more time to um, do some writing. And because this book, have you sold a lot of copies of your and Grandma said book? Oh, that's we're on our third uh, edition, third uh, publication. Wow. But there's been a re three times now. Wow. It is. They're using a lot of uh, different universities and colleges are using it as uh, part of the military reading and some of their native studies and uh, native about their native stuff. Now, what inspired um, what inspired you to do um, and Grandma said? Well, uh, I didn't even I didn't even know about it, except um, uh, my grandmother came to me, and she's been passed away for probably about thirty years. When she came to see me, and uh, one night it was around midnight, and she appeared in the big dining room where I was doing carpentry work and painting and uh i thought it was my wife came in the door because i heard the door open and there was because usually my wife would tell me to go to bed that's when we uh just a few years after we first got here and uh so we were renovating i was busy we were deep into the night uh, uh trying to fix place the windows up and the doors up and paint the place and get it back into order because it had been abandoned for about 15 years. So there was a lot of work to do. That's what I was doing every night. And usually my wife would come in and around midnight, two o'clock in the morning, and she'd tell me, you better go to bed, she says, because uh, uh, morning's going to come and, you, and you're going to work again all day. You got to sleep. So she'd tell me. So I thought it was her coming in. When I looked, it wasn't my wife, it was my grandmother. And I could see her just as plain as, like it wasn't a dream, it wasn't it wasn't a vision, nothing. It was like she was real. Yeah. I could have touched her. Yeah. And she's the one told me uh, that she barely, barely was able to find me. She said, uh, and I kind of got a kick out of it, because when we first came to Ganatjalega from Akwazasni, we came through the mountains, the windy roads and through the mountains, and the woods, and uh, we had a hard time to find the Mohawk Valley. And so that's what happened to me when we first tried to find this place. So when she left Akwazasti in her spirit to come here, that same thing happened to her. She had a hard time to find me. And she says, uh, she's talking, well, she don't talk English, she don't talk Mohawk. And uh, she told me, she says, Zalakshan, she says, 
for our tradition and our dignity and our respect as a as a Ungwehunwe or a human is to be. And uh, now you can they can do a good work in the world. He said that has not been happening. Instead, they're watching the TV, and the TV shows lots of violence shows on there, how to kill people, and that's what they're learning. And so instead of mother and father talking, they just tell them to watch TV. So, so then they lose out on being a parent, and their child loses out how to love and have compassion for their parents. So she says uh, to me, uh, talking on Mohawk, all the while, no English. She never talks English because you don't know how. But she says uh, the our kids are so poor. Uh, that means uh, they are the older people just kind of threw them away, just let them go and let them grow up by themselves. And now it's dangerous. I'm so sorry for our young people, she said. So she said, what I would like you to do, if you are willing. She said, when you were a little boy, uh, we lived together. And uh, every day, I'm talking to you and I'm showing you things. And we make baskets. And we, you learn how to make baskets. And we pick medicine, all kinds of medicine through the late summer for the winter. And you know, we cook the medicine and all that. And that's how you grew up. And so she says, um, uh, and what clans we belong to and what the clans are for, why we got clans, all that. I was talking to you almost every day when you were growing up, how you matured. So she says, uh, I don't know if you remember all that, she says, or you even remember me. And I look at her and I says, oh, yes. I said, um, ever since you went away 30 years ago or so, I never forget. One day, I never I never forgot to remember you. Um, never forgot you. And she was happy to hear that. And then she says, well, what I'm going to ask you, if you're willing... When there are times when you see me from day to day and uh, you think about what I have talked to you about or what you heard me talking about while you were growing up, I want you to, uh, there's the bed where you and Alice sleep. There's a table with a lamp on there. And whenever you see me or remember me and you remember things that I talked to you about. I want you to get a scrap paper, any kind of paper, scrap paper, and write uh, write it down what you remember me telling you and your other grandmas and grandpa what they have told you and what you have learned. And, and then put it on that table by the bed where you sleep. And then she, she said, after a while, maybe you'll keep doing that and pretty soon, she says, That means uh, all of a sudden, you will notice that by that, ta that table by your bed is a big pile of papers, all the notes you wrote about what you remembered. And then the last, when you think 
It's the last one that you remembered. That's all you can remember. And then the last scrap paper that you write it on there. And she says, um, uh, and, and uh, Grandma said, you write it on the paper, you call it. And Grandma said, and you put it on top of that big pile. And then you will dedicate that big pile of paper uh, of things I said and or your elders said, and then you will dedicate it to the young people from ocean to ocean and from the North Pole to the South Pole, all the young people. So they, you will dedicate it to them. So they can never say, nobody never told us. Nobody ever told us or taught us. They will have something to guide them and something to give them wisdom in their life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what that really meant at all. I, I never, because I, I never had much education myself. And when I did go to school, I, I never listened to the teachers because my grandmother told me they're going to brainwash me at the school to be a white man. And, uh, and you're going to lose your language. And you're not going to want our way of life anymore. That's what happened to all the ones that went to school. And so I, I, when I did go to school, I promised her that I will never forget how to speak Mohawk. And I, I will never leave our ceremonies or the way our Indian people are supposed to be. And then um, I was able to go to school. Uh, because the authority said we had to go to school. And if I didn't do that, if I didn't go to school, then my mother and probably my grandmother would be put in jail for being, uh, or not taking care of their kids the right way. So I promised that. So anyways, uh, I, that's why I didn't have much education. Even when I did go to school, I wouldn't listen to the teachers because I was thinking, they're going to try to make me into a white man and brainwash me. And then I'll sell my people out. That's the way she thought, my grandmother. And so, anyways, that's why I didn't think anything of that pile of papers that I did write. Uh, I, I never really wrote those notes either. I, I just I just never did it. But uh, it mostly was, I guess, symbolic. And then uh, I was telling this, what I just told you, to a group of people at a workshop, and um, Leslie Forrester was there. I don't, do you know her? I've met her once, I think. Yeah, Leslie Forrester was there, and uh, she interpreted that dream. She's not a native lady. Uh, she live in. Uh, she lives in uh, Sterling, Ontario. She did live there, but she don't live there no more between uh, Tainanega and Bellevue and uh, um, Peterborough. Mm -hmm. That's where Sterling is. So she told me, she says, um, uh, what she, she wants you to do is write, write it down, uh, all the things you can remember, what your grandma said. That's what she wants you to do, to make a book. I didn't even, never, never, never thought, that thought never entered my mind. So she said, uh, how about if I help you? And uh, I don't want to write a book anyway. I never did want to. But um, I was also taught by my grandmother not to be rude to people. 
So I didn't say no to her. I just looked at her and kind of shocked. And she says, uh, how about if I follow you around when you do workshops, different reservations in different places, and I'm going to record you, all the workshops, because all the workshops you do are from what you've learned from your grandma and different elders through, through your life. And uh, I says, uh, then I says, no, because somebody tried to do that before. And when I was doing a workshop, then they, they made me stop giving a lecture or talk because they said we've got to replace the batteries in the tape recorder or else they ran out of tape and they got to change the tape and they would make me stop my lecture or my what I'm talking about. And then it would um, the spirit that I use for the lecture uh, would go away and I can't, I can't finish. Like, so that interruption isn't good. Uh, so I said, no. I says, because that's what happens. No, 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 she said, I'm going to get a tape recorder that puts on your shirt and the other part goes in your pocket and you can't see it. A little microphone and, and it has no wires uh, tucked in somewhere. It's, uh, I, I guess, I forgot what they call that. A cordless mic, I guess. And then she gonna, she's going to sit way in the back somewhere. I'll never even notice, and she'll be recording everything. And if I run out of tape, you won't even know I run out of tape. If I run out of battery, you won't even know. I'll never bother you like that. So then I said, well, okay then. So she followed me. I forgot how many years. I never counted how many years she followed me. And she recorded everything. And then I guess other Indians that recorded things before gave her them too. And then she transcribed those um, and into a, into the they called the grammar set book, and that's how grammar set book got written. It's from the recordings of my mm -hmm. workshops, but they're all whatever I learned from my grandmother and my other grandfathers and uh, all the elders all over the country. Uh, that's called the grammar set book, and then that's how it came to be. It's because that Leslie Forrester interpreted that that visitation from my grandmother, and that's what we did. So I'm a, I didn't tell Leslie about this other book, um, second part, because she's going to follow me again. So I don't tell her. I'm going to try to just take notes and try to do it uh, whenever I can, and when I feel when I feel right mm -hmm. to do it. So maybe I'll never get done. But I've started. Oh, wow. That was a that was a great story and a great background. And Tom, I'm so glad that your grandmother found you through those mountains. Oh yeah. 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 So uh, she's still I'm um, still connected with her, even though I think it's close to probably forty four years ago since she passed away. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. But it, but she's still in my life. And yeah. everything she taught me, how to respect and how to be kind, is still strong, just as, as it was the day she told me. Mm-hmm. And grand, in our culture, grandparents are so important, aren't they? As far as I know, they're, they're, they're the main foundation. 
say we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they teach, I think without telling us, they teach us to grow up to be great grandparents like they were. Yeah, that's if, that's if they, uh, but I was lucky because uh, my grandmother never went to residential school. Even she never went to any school in her whole life, not even one day. Mm-hmm. That's why she couldn't talk English. Mm-hmm. I think she could talk a little bit of English, but we never heard her talk English. She did learn some English, uh, two, uh, two words, and uh, I don't want to tell you what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I use them all the time, too, and so does my wife. Oh, yeah. Uh, my kids do it, too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, when I went out west, too, where the Lakota slip, uh-huh. they used the same English words as my grandmother used. Oh, yeah. Even though she can't talk me, she knew how to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that would be a good thing for people to guess. What was that? Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep our audience guessing, Tom. Yeah. And and can you tell us a little bit about uh, what inspired you to come and and be at um, Ganajohalage? What does that word mean? Ganajohalage it means uh, the pot, the pot or the kettle that cleans itself, mm. the clean pot. Oh yeah, or the clean kettle. Because uh, about three miles from here, there's a town called Kenajoheri, which is an American way to say Ganajoharege. Kenajoheri, Ganajoharege. That's the same word, except they don't know how to say it. (laughs) And uh, there's a creek that runs through that town, and just south of that town, uh, that creek and the stones coming from the hills, uh, dug into the uh, bedrock about 10 or 12 foot uh, radius mm-hmm. uh, circle mm-hmm. and about 10 or 12 foot deep. And it's like a bowl, like a, a lathe machine had professionally carved it out. But it wasn't. It was the stream and the little rocks that would go around when the water was fast. Well, probably took 10,000 years to make that. And there are several of those there, but there's one big one there, and that's what they call it, because the water goes in there, swirls around, and then goes out constantly. And uh, that's what formed that pot. It's like an old clay uh, clay pot or kettle that uh, Mohawks and Senecas and Anandakayuga used to make out of clay mm-hmm. for cooking. Mm-hmm. And that's why they call it Kanajohalege. So this area is known as Kanajohalege, where the Bear Clan lived. Mm-hmm. Bear Clan Mohawks lived here. And that's what my grandmother is, is a Bear Clan. And so my mother's like a, is a Bear Clan. And so all of us kids are Bear Clan. Mm-hmm. So, but we didn't know where we were coming. It's a Bear Clan place. In fact, we didn't know this is where my grandmother's great-grandmother, his village, used to be. Mm. Almost right exactly where this house is located, where we live now. Mm-hmm. All that it was coincidental, but then maybe there wasn't no coincidence. Maybe it was the spirit. 
But um, when the Mohawks left here, uh, uh, particularly my family, when they left here, and the last one that left here in this valley was, in, uh, according to my Aunt Esther, who's a clan mother in the Longhouse, uh, and uh, that's uh, Richard Mitchell. Uh, do you know him? Um, no. Well, he he uh, Richard Mitchell is one of the head trade keepers in our Longhouse. Well, his mother, she's a wolf clan mother, and she's uh, my aunt. Mm-hmm. And according to her, our her her grandma, which was my grandmother's mother, uh, they left here the Mohawk Valley in 1833. Mm-hmm. But they uh, but that they had a home here, and they also had a home on the Saint Regis Island in Aquilusni. So they had two homes because they were basket makers, mm-hmm. and they used sell make baskets and sell baskets and uh, when the railroad went through here which is runs right in the front of this house where we live uh went through it went right through her house and uh and that's why they they let, went went back to opposite and didn't come back uh, mm-hmm. to live anymore because mm-hmm. the railroad uh demolished their house and they didn't give them nothing for it either because mm-hmm. they're Indian, so they, they got no rights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but when they left here, my grandmother used to say this. Uh, she says, "Nenetika German nadia doda, ishi nu yunkinarukwa lekokti runatukarote." That's what she used to say when I was a little boy, and I. I didn't know what that meant at all because I was a little boy. But every once in a while, she would say that. And as I became around 11 years old, uh, I began to think and wonder more about things. And when I heard her say that, when I was 11 years old, finally I asked my grandmother, I said, Grandma, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? What does that mean, what you just said? And uh, she said, uh, That means, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So I said to her, I remember saying that to her, because I, I was sorry I said it to her. I said, uh, well, Grandma, how, how come you say something and you don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to say that to your elders. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but uh, in those days, that was kind of disrespectful. But she didn't get mad at me because I had a real good relationship with my grandmother. She never, never got mad at me. And uh, I could almost do anything, and she never, never get mad at me. And um, so later on, I found out what that... Well, first of all, let me translate it. What does that mean? Uh, so listen to that again. Then at Tiga Germans, Nahadia Dona, is he knew Yonkinoka, Nekoksi Runatkalo de. That means those uh, people, they call them Germans, they have an extra love or fondness for, the, for us, the Mohawk people, except because they have or they are indebted or obligated to us. 
that's what that means. Mm-hmm. And then when I ask her what did it mean, she don't know why she says that. And uh, and she didn't know. And the reason she told me she says it is because when she was a little girl, that's what her mother said. And that's what she remembers her grandma to say that. So uh, then later on, I found out what does that mean. It means that uh, the German, she talk, they're talking about the Palatine Germans. And how I found out is a historian down here is the one knew when I interpreted that, that he knew right away what it meant. And then he told me, but by that time, my grandmother had already passed away, so I never had the chance to tell her what that means. But it was the time when the English uh, people were uh, colonizing North America. And they and when they colonized North America here in New York State, they uh, didn't have enough people, skilled people, to uh, build plate homes or to build factory or whatever they needed to do or to work for them to colonize. Except they knew these Palatine Germans from a section of Germany. They were very good workers, like the Amish are. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they were very, uh, they weren't lazy, and uh, they were very skilled. So they recruited hundreds of them to come on the boat here to the state of New York, and they promised them to give them land and, uh, and, uh, and how to live here. They were going to give them land if they would uh, do all the work for colonization for their English. So they came boatload after boatload, and they began to work through the through the Albany area, through here, the Mohawk Valley, and the Catskill Mountains. After a couple of years, uh, the Palatine Germans uh, were waiting for the English to give them land so they can live, and they didn't do it. So the German uh, slacked off on their work production for the English and English got mad and they abandoned them here and a lot of them starved and didn't couldn't live they didn't have nothing they were just abandoned but the Mohawks took them in their longhouses and fed them and even helped them build houses on our land they didn't give them the land they just said you can you can build and raise your family there and uh that's what happened. The Mohawks helped them survive when they were abandoned by the British. Mm-hmm. And that's what that means. They have an obligation or they're indebted to us. And because we helped them, they, they always had a fondness for us, unlike other white men mm. who killed us. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting part of history. Yeah. That not a lot of people probably know. No, no, they don't. Uh, some white people know it only because they're a historian. Mm-hmm. But they don't know about this prophecy, though. That's mostly just the Mohawks know that. Mm-hmm. And I know that in the in the um, country of Germany, they do still today 
um, share their share their fondness for indigenous people here. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, there is a fondness they have for us. Mm-hmm. I guess because we helped them. I guess. Yeah. So at where you live now at Ganejohalege, I'm taking Mohawk, Tom, so I'm trying to use the language as much as I can. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what kind of programming, even, well, before the COVID hit, what kind of programming did you do there? I know you have a, a great strawberry festival I attended one year. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to, we used to before the virus came, we had uh, uh, level one, level two, and level three Mohawk language uh, courses here, mm-hmm. uh, only in the summertime. And then uh, throughout the year, mostly in the summer, in the spring, and in the fall, we would have um, work- workshops uh, open to the public uh, to, ta- to talk about our tradition and our culture and why we ha- why we believe the way we believe to share with with anybody who wanted to and we would have workshops uh and also we would uh different uh Iroquois communities would send their young here uh, at various times of the summer and to have workshops as well mm-hmm. and also to visit the area because historically these are where the old villages of of uh, all the Mohawks were, and, not, and just an hour from here was where the Oneidas villages were, and an hour and a half from here is where Onondaga's his homeland is. It's mm-hmm. all not far. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times the young people would come here, and then we talk about the great law, talk about the clans, and why do we have clans? I talk about what's midwinter, where did it come from, and why do we have it? And all the different ceremonies we have, they would be able to study that or learn about that. So that's what we were doing, and we also offered that to the to the non-native people uh, because they never know that because they thought we were heathens and um, pagans, I guess. But when once we explained to them what our ceremonies are about, they really like it. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so I know you can't be doing that now. Are you are you able to be seeing your family, Tom? You know, you know what? We're still doing it, mm-hmm. but we're doing it by virtual. Oh. The, by phone. Oh. By phone. Every Monday at 2 o'clock, um, uh, we do it for one hour, almost every single Monday now. for Since the, almost, I don't know how long we've been doing it, but it's uh, Pete Hill from uh, Buffalo, I think he's from Cattaraugus. He's the, he heads it. And then there's some Anadagas that works with him. And uh, and then I'm, I'm one of their teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I took and then the... Go and ahead. then there's also... We did some, too, with uh, uh, Hamilton Indian Center, Native Center in Hamilton, uh, not too long ago, too. That was for two days, all day long, from 9 o'clock till 3.30 every day for two days so that was kind of that was nice mm-hmm. so so now and then we're doing different places oh. that virtual oh yeah i know i took your your language camp um at the end of july for a week it was really good 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so with your personal family, though, are you able to see your personal family, your, your children? Well, well, um, I ha I, well, one of my daughters lives with me and she's handicapped a little bit mm -hmm. and she's 44 years old. So she lives with us all the time. Mm -hmm. But then I have another daughter, uh, she, she works, uh, for the, like a community health worker, like, mm -hmm. and uh, she's been working there. I don't know how many years for the for for the uh, and um, so she's been here now for about uh, I think five months now. She took time off her work, and uh, she come here to help us because we're getting old now, and uh, to help us clean and. Uh, we plant a garden together, and that's what she wanted us to do. And then she clean up all over, and uh, she paints, and she rearranges, and she, <laughs> so she just uh, do everything, mm -hmm. even if I'm work. And uh, so one day I was asking her, because she, she's married, and she's got four kids. They're all grown up, her kids. And uh, she's, uh, I think she's uh, 44. 46 or something years old now. So uh, she was, uh, and she worked all day, and she's still here yet. So October, in October 1st, I think she's got to go back to work. But she took six months off. And she has a bunch of, she has four kids that are grown up, and she's got a bunch of grandkids too. And uh, so she came here to help us, me and my wife, to can and to plant garden and to clean house and to uh, help us wash clothes and uh, all kind of stuff, even carpentry work, paint jobs and uh, the garden works and the flower gardens and the landscaping and everything. She's just a jack of all trades. She is, and she works from sun up early in the morning, goes to bed early every day, and up again next morning. So she was sitting here at my kitchen table, and and I asked her. I says, uh, uh, "Your your husband and you got your kids and your grandkids up north, and you 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 came down to help us." I says, "And you got family up north. Uh, how come you you comes out so often like that uh, to help us?" And she looked at me and she says. Uh, across the kitchen table, and she says, well, I'm going to tell you the reason, she says, because I only got one father and one mother in the world. That's all I got. And that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And it made me get tears and made me so proud of her. But all my kids are like that. Um, I got mm -hmm. one boy and five girls, mm -hmm. and they're all never touch alcohol or drugs, and they all go to ceremonies all the time. And whenever me and my wife need something help, they're here right away. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to ask. They're they're always ready to offer their assistance. Any little thing happens, mm -hmm. and when my wife had that open heart surgery. All my kids and grandkids took time off and 
they were at that hospital, and the hospital said they never seen a family be so united and so supportive of any patient they ever had in the history. That, that's what my all my kids did for their grandma. Mm-hmm. Grandkids, oh, they cried when they knew she had to have an open heart. But she went through it with flying colors, and I guess because she had so much support from her family and grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what my grandmother was talking about, that that kind of uh, parenting is gone. Pretty much we gave it to the TV and to the video games and and uh, to the rock and roll. We're not producing Indian anymore because the parents don't know how to do it mm-hmm. much anymore. Very few do, mm-hmm. most of us. And it's not our fault. It's because of the boarding schools, residential schools, that broke our whole sacredness of who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. So our job is to heal ourselves and pull our families back together. And that's why my grandmother wanted that grandma sent book to be written, which I didn't even know was to be a book until uh, Leslie Forster told me and helped me to do it, and I'm grateful to her. Because when she grabs something like a bulldog, she don't let it go until <laughs> it gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And so that book has helped many of our young people now, and I know because they have told me, and they're on their healing journeys, and they say thank, thanks to that grandma set book. It put them on the right path. It gave them a foundation, and it gave them hope. And that's so good to hear. Oh, yeah, Tom. It's it's so true because I can tell you from my perspective that it is the strongest foundation, this book. Um, I've used it so many times. I've, I've read it so many times, and, and I've shared it so many times with others and it's out in the world now and when you do that when you put your your something that you've you've created out in the world you just never can tell where it will go and who it will help yeah that's that's nice mm-hmm. so grandma was right yeah she sure was she sure was right um, and I just, I just hope that she still is in your ear telling you, Volume 2, Tom, get to Volume 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't forget about it. Well, Tom, I'm so happy to talk with you today, and, and, I, and I wish you and Alice health, continued health, and your whole family. And we miss you here at Grand River. Well, I miss everybody because I have uh, 2,000 cousins lives in the Grand River. Wow. Yeah. Everybody... You know that? Yeah, that, that's a lot of cousins, Tom. Yeah, that's that. My father's from Oswegan. Mm-hmm. And he's from that Porter family over there, and they're pretty prolific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> So maybe maybe soon after after everything settles down, you'll be able to visit Grand River again. Oh yeah, I miss everybody over there a lot. Mm-hmm. Oneida too, South Wall Oneida. Oh yeah, and, uh, all over. Yeah, I really enjoy on my visits there all the time. 
Okay. Well, say nyawe goa, Tom, for talking with us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And, and it's give my best to everybody. I will. It's always so nice to hear your voice and to oh, hear what you have you to say. Remember, do you, rem you remember Conway Twitty? Yes, I do. Remember what he said? Um, oh, he, he said a lot of things. <laughs> no, I don't the remember. The main thing he said was, he said, hello, darling. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was actually my dad's yeah. favorite singer, Conway Twitty. Yeah, yeah. So you tell everybody at the Grand River, hello, darling. <laughs> I sure will, Tom. Onigiwahi. Right. We've been talking with Tom Porter, Sagogwenyungwas, from the Bear Clan and the Mohawk Nation on today's podcast. Yahweh for listening to the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Venevri. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. This has been the Yohate Negasuna podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word Donate, located on the bottom of the page of our website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada.